Welcome to the social medium. No, I'm not a medium, but I do love different mediums, like social media and podcasting. You may know me from Savoir Vive by JJ, or my Beauty Fuel Food by JJ. Now, I am a business founder and entrepreneur. Take three, let's do this. So this afternoon, I have the pleasure of interviewing and being with, but from afar, Isabel and Alieu, who are the founders of Sunday in Soho and also Bespoke by Sunday. I'm a big fan of Bespoke by Sunday, as most of you know very well. Thank you guys so much for being here with me. Thank you for having us. Yes, we're happy to be here. So the story is funny of how I actually met them. And I remember it was how I met Alieu was I was somebody was talking to me about Sunday in Soho. And I remember that I had seen the cups everywhere because you guys had those like really New York style cups and they were everywhere when you guys first opened. And I stopped by and I remember realizing um, that we had friends in common or that we just knew people from Montclair and just yeah, yeah. that you guys were from New York. And it was just, it was such a funny little coincidence. The world is so small. What made you guys open Sunday in Soho in the first place? So we initially moved to Paris from New York. Uh, for Isabel's work. She was working in fashion and she had an incredible opportunity um, to come uh, to the headquarters. Um, she was working for for Christian Dior. Um, and when we moved, we actually were living in a temporary apartment, which was supposed to be for, for two weeks um, and turned out to be three months. Um, and as glamorous as that may sound, um, it was actually very, very difficult because we had to eat out every single day. Um, and we had a really difficult time because we were at that moment, we were preparing for our wedding. We were looking to, to, to get in, in shape. And we were, we were actually like kind of going the, the opposite direction. Um, and we were missing basically things that we had loved from New York and Los Angeles, you know, seasonal vegetables, bowls, um, and in an atmosphere that's very welcoming and convivial. And so, we basically did something that none of us had experience in doing and that's opened the restaurant. I was not an entrepreneur. I was not a, a restaurateur before, but I was an entrepreneur. And so I like solving tough problems. Um, and definitely um, running a restaurant is, is in France particularly is, has its own set of, 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 of difficult um, aspects to it. So we basically opened up Sunday and Soho because we felt that there were other people like us that we're looking for a new, fresh uh, take on on um, the the culinary scene in France and Paris specifically. Yeah, it's really true. I think especially like here, definitely as feedback from when you're saying that, it's true that it's like if you really just want to get like a bowl with like avocado and like protein and grains that are all of great quality, and it's it's not the easiest thing. No, even just vegetables, right? We. Um, veget- we we found when we first moved, and you know, it, it has changed over the past few years. But we found that vegetables were often looked at as like an accompaniment, um, as opposed to like the the star of the show. Um, and we we wanted to kind of change that paradigm, um, so we could view vegetables as being as as sexy and elegant as um, their their meat their their meat counterpart. And so we we. Um, we're just really missing vegetables. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's what we wanted to make a place where we could have vegetables, but at the same time, like also have things that are indulgent. We also miss like fried chicken sandwiches and things of that nature. So, you know, our, our ethos has always been about balance because that's how we try to live our life. 
Um, and so Sunday in Soho is really a place that we're all are welcome. So whether or not you want to have vegetables or you want to have a fried chicken sandwich or pancakes, we'll have we'll have you covered. Right. That's always been our philosophy. And how did Bespoke by Sunday come about? Because, I mean, obviously, it's not something that came out yesterday, but even like these things from what I can understand and from what I know from my own experience take so long to come to fruition. So at what point did you guys start thinking about creating Bespoke and how did this all come about? Uh, Yeah. So I'll start and I'll let Isabel um, hop in on that. But uh, we Bespoke's our baby. Our Bespoke's our baby and Sunday and Solar's our baby too. But Bespoke is something that um, transcends the idea of starting a restaurant and it, it actually is something that's like really deeply personal for us. Um, so when we lived in New York, um, we both suffered from a myriad of, 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 and of, in Paris, and in Paris too. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't stop, but of just health issues um, that we never really understood what was coming, you know, from, from Isabel was having 15 plus migraines a month. I had these like really severe stomach pains and, and, and mind you, like we're incredibly fit. Like Isabel's run tons of marathons. I played college soccer, uh, semi pro in, in New York, um, for like you know, private clubs. And so I, we were very fit people. And so it wasn't a matter of like, Oh, you know, and we, we try to eat well, we, or so we thought it wasn't a matter of just, of, um, just eating bonbons and, 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 and chips. It was really just, okay. You know, um, we, we thought we were healthy people. Um, and so at the same time, we kind of saw both of our parents start suffering from um, uh, two different um, generative brain diseases. Um, Isabel's father, Alzheimer's, my mom, dementia. And as we started to do more research into um, their illnesses and just the food system in general, we, we, we uncovered that virtually there was no standard for sugar, interestingly enough. So I'll never forget being in um, one of this, a functional medicine doctor that I went to and I was sitting in there and I was just going actually just to, to be supportive. And, and I, I didn't want to get up because I was just reading a book um, from a world renowned doctor called per per mud butter about um, what grain um, does to the brain and, and what sugars do. And, and I was fascinated and we went down this rabbit hole of trying to understand whether or not we could help to help heal ourselves by changing our diet. And it actually worked. And that was the impetus of some this journey that we're now on, which is inspiring other people to um, understand how important it is, not only for their own health, but also for like, the planet as a whole and how food has an, a miraculous uh, ability to do that. And a lot of people forget to realize it's like when you take medicines to treat something that you already have, at the end of the day, medicines are just elements that are derived from foods that we eat. So you might as well just get it from the natural, the, the the most purest source possible, right? And so, um, and you're just putting a bandaid on it when correct. you're taking medication. You're not going to the source of the problem and trying to eliminate the problem. You're just trying to put a bandaid on it, which um, was was honestly the 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 point for me where where the the straw that broke the camel's back in a sense of of making me change my, my lifestyle and and question everything that I was, that I was doing in terms of what I was eating. And, and um, was that I, I, like Ali said, I was suffering from about 15 migraines per month. So basically every other day I functioned in life with a migraine. Um, 
and had to medicate myself. And, and for years and years, I was taking preventative medicine, which prevented nothing, obviously, because I still had 15 migraines a month. And well, it prevented you from having it from the other day. <laughs> yeah, it prevented me from having 30 a month, or maybe, I don't know. And finally, um, at some point, you know, when, when it hadn't been working for a certain amount of time, tried several different preventative medication, my neurologist who was following me said to me, okay, well, now that you officially have 15 migraines a month consistently for whatever number of months it had been, you qualify for Botox. And I said, excuse me. And she uh, explains to me that basically um, it Botox was super effective in, um, in preventing migraines and that I would have to get 30 Botox injections every three months. And then I would be migraine free. And I, I, I had a problem with that because I asked her, basically, I said, okay, so I get 30 injections of Botox every three months for the rest of my life. That's the solution. And she said, yes. And that's when like everything changed for me. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I, I need to find another way. So I started going to an acupuncturist who um, was also a chiropractor and a, a more into Eastern medicine, talked to me about my diet and so on. And then started going through some elimination diets to really um, figure out the cause of all of this. And through this journey, realized that I was sensitive to gluten. I was sensitive to um, to dairy and very sensitive to sugar and all of those things were triggering me in combination with uh, other things like hormones and and so on. But um, yeah, it made me realize a lot of things and, and since then have changed uh, my lifestyle to take that into consideration. And, and it's been, I mean, life-changing, I guess. I, I really, really can relate to you what you guys are saying, because I also, for me, I know for a fact that like anything that's going on in my brain shows up in my body immediately. Like I've had so many crazy random things happen to me um, that have no real answer. Um, and it's really interesting because it's true. I mean, it's it, we, we've kind of gotten to this point in, in culture and in society where it's like, first of all, of course that d doesn't suit you. And it's like, that's totally not a realistic solution. And also we've gotten to the point where it's like, we're in such a stressed out culture, but then it's like, then doctors tell you, well, it's because you're stressed, but then what's the answer to that? It's like, okay, well, I'm stressed, but what, what do you want me to do about that? Like I, I'm tr doing my, especially for people who are doing their best. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So you guys got to this point where you were like, okay, something needs to change. Yeah. And I think ever since we opened the restaurant, we had been thinking of bespoke in the back of our heads as something that we wanted to do someday because it, it was something that had helped us get better. And we wanted everybody else to be able to experience that. And it was, it was just kind of something in the back of our mind and we didn't really know how to, how to materialize it. And, and it just, over time, we realized that it wasn't that hard and we just had to go for it and do it. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the challenges that we, we had at the beginning and we still face, and it's um, trying to um, change the perception of what people think is, is, is like healthy or nutritious. Um, and a lot of, you know, I, <laughs> big food, when and I say big foods, when I mean by that, I mean like the, the Coca-Cola, the Pepsis, the Danones, the, the Lay's, the, 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 um, you know, you name, you name, um, 
uh, Nestle, Nestle Picard, all the big, you know, French and American and all these global um, uh, food manufacturers, they have done an incredible job of (laughs) effectively brainwashing us and, 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 and changing our mindset um, so frequently. Right. You know, I, I look at our parents and they were, you know, like fat was bad. You have to have margarine. And they said, no, it's not good. And so this is kind of like a, a, a very difficult nutritional science is a very difficult thing to understand. And so often like when you, for Sunday and so what we were really amazed by is how we were able to just make healthy food, sexy, I guess, and that we once we realized that people didn't so much care or, or didn't um, um, mind to eat it if they felt that it wasn't so restrictive and that it still could be flavorful and still could be delicious. Then we're like, hey, you know, we, we think we can continue to push this mission forward. And, and that's where we are today. And how did you guys I mean, it's, it's also a, a very to me, it's something that's so evident. But um, I think for French people it probably seemed like a big challenge because people are very, very set in their ways. And kind of like you guys mentioned at the beginning, um, see things in a very different way. You know, what was it like to kind of go through it with the mindset of like, okay, I'm all, we're also going to have to try to get people here to, to wrap their heads around something that, that they don't know. I think there's, there's enough um, people in France that have spent time in the U S and spent time, um, in, in other like cultures, either North American or, or even, even, even other European. Yeah. E- either other, other European cultures, yeah. even, even, um, in Australia or, you know, th- to kind of get immersed in that whole, um, trend that's been going on for, for years. I mean, you know, you're from New York, the, the whole health trend and wellness and so on has been going on for a really long time. And, and it's something that, I would say it sometimes can be lagging in France in terms of, of uh, the things that you see going on in, in these other countries that, that could take a little bit more time to, um, to, to kind of, I don't know, marinate. I don't really know what, what, what really it is, but we really felt like um, there was enough of a, of, a, of a receptive audience to what we wanted to do that could continue to push that trend forward to make others understand that like, you know, eating vegetables is actually, what we're doing is not revolutionary. It's basically just going back to real food. We're going back to the roots. That's what we often say. Right. We're, we're like, going back to the roots. Yeah. When you eat our food. It's, it's, it's not, it's not totally complicated. It just tastes good. And it's real food that you find in nature. And, and that's, I think like, our biggest, like if, if people are like our biggest competitor, our competitor is like sugar and it's hard. And that's what we mean by like our, we've been, our mind's been shifted for so long because frankly, like whether or not you, we, we know it or not, like sugar is lurking and hidden in, in everything. everything. And that's, it's an, it's more, it's eight times more addictive than cocaine. It's so eight times more addictive than cocaine. And that alone gives a tremendous amount of leverage to manufacturers who understand that by putting this into the things we make or restaurants or whoever, putting these things that we make that we can get people hooked. And, and it's not just like talking about sugar as in like we eat cookies or, or, you know, things that are traditionally perceived as sugar items. We're talking about 
every packaged item that you buy at the grocery store or whether a lot it's of things salty, you eat at the restaurant yeah, or the whether re- it's salty or sweet it has sugar in it yeah. you've gotten kind of addicted to watching uh nightmare in the kitchen and, and then the french version as well and it's like totally totally freaked me out and in that like you really don't know what's lurking in some of the sauces and dishes and that you never know what could be in exactly yeah. and and the, the 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 problem is is that um, we as humans we have something called like a time present bias, and that time present bias actually um, um, means that so there we experience something at one point, but uh, like eating a burger, um, but the aftermath of that might not happen into a long time into the future, like we can have sugar for our entire, we can drink a soda every day and you say, okay, well, it's okay. I'll stop tomorrow. Um, it's not a big deal, but the cumulative effect is so far down the road that we don't correlate the actions that we're doing today with what happens, what's going to happen in the future. And that is largely why it's so easy to get into these traps of, 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 you know, eating things and doing things that are, are inconsistent with our, with our, um, uh, with what's best for us is because it's hard to imagine um, that it is a result of um, your eating because you don't see the implication. It's not a immediate. cause effect. Yeah. You know, it's not immediate. It's not like you eat this and immediately you will have this happen. It's like over, t- you know, the, the perfect example is, is my father has Alzheimer's like Ali mentioned, uh, they're, they're effectively calling Alzheimer's now type 3 diabetes. They're saying that it's caused by the effect of sugar on the brain over time. And I can tell you for a fact, my father ate sugar his entire life because he was part, when he was a young adult, the fat-free diets were all the rage, right? When we were young, that was how our parents ate. They were afraid of fat. They were afraid. So what replaces fat? Sugar. sugar right. And they ate sugar their whole entire lives. And, and now this has happened to him. And it's, it's, it's scary, right? When you think about that, but, but eating whatever you're eating today is not going to give you Alzheimer's tomorrow. So the, the impact is so far in the future that it's hard sometimes to make decisions with regards to that. Does that make sense? One thing though, that I really think is so interesting is, and, and I really, really attribute this to you guys is that um, you guys really helped me also create with bespoke um, a better relationship with eating meat. I know that we're trying to move away from too much consumption of, you know, animal products, but it's it's actually been such like an awakening to me. Yeah, I I, I think what I might say might come off as polarizing, um, but uh, I'm a polarizing person, Jesse, as you know. So um, I just try to be as, as as honest as I I and 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 share my 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 beliefs. Unfortunately, it's between, like I mentioned, big food and other information sources. Um, we we we're, we're at a time where the the full spectrum of information is not known when decisions are made, and as such, oftentimes biases and and come about and and that's like a that that comes from there's like cognitive biases and like i i studied economics and like so when i so when i think about it it's just like it's, it's largely attributed to that and so what i mean by that is you know particularly in france um we there's a, a really strong movement for sustainability right so there's a lo- really strong movement for sustainability 
where you'll hear folks that are um, really wanting to reduce the amount of um, animal proteins because of the uh, effects on the greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, but what's often not cited is is the, how that come about. So understanding the full picture of that, right? So the full picture of how sugar, which you need to, uh, which mostly is created by um, factory um, farms, you, you have a tremendous amount of nitrogen runoff, tremendous amount of topsoil loss, and that creates more greenhouse gas emissions than, than animals. Through that, through the cutting of the rainforest, sugar and the top three crops create more greenhouse gas emissions than these animals because these animals are actually just eating that feed. That's how we keep these animals. So obviously if we had less of these animals, you would have to produce less of this corn and this wheat, etc. But the reality is, is that we, we should all be moving towards less animal protein, but it's not, it's not bad. It's, there's an opportunity cost and it's about understanding if you're going to eat it, how you can find high quality, sustainable ones. And so working with regenerative farmers where they're actually going to reinvigorate the soil because these animals are able to move around freely uh, and they're able to sequester any sort of um, carbon into the environment. And we work with, with, with vendors and producers and we're so proud of it um, to be able to find the best quality product and pass that on to our clients. Because when you have better quality products, there's better nutrients and better nutrients is better health, right? And so it's not simply just saying like, hey, okay, let's just stop eating meat. We're going to all, we're going to lower the, 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 the um, greenhouse gas emissions and the world's going to be perfect. No, my first thing would be like, let's open up a composting plant in, in Paris because everyone's putting all of this compostable takeaway packaging in the trash can. And that causes more greenhouse gas emissions than again, these animals that we speak about. But it's, it's the lack of understanding about those d- details um, oftentimes creates really polarizing remarks, especially like on social media when people say, oh, here's this meat or is this packaging. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just that there's always an opportunity cost. There's a trade-off. And people need to understand that trade-off really well um, in order to make the best decisions. And for us, the trade-off is providing people with really good high quality protein because it has a diversity of amino acids, which are necessary that you can't always get from eating alternative proteins like seeds and nuts or soy. And while also focusing on working with great vendors and producers um, that have really great practices that will, that don't, or I shouldn't say don't, but contribute less to uh, the greenhouse gas emissions than you would find from traditional factory farms. It's really uh complex thing to understand and I really appreciate you breaking it down because I feel like you know it's like everyone wants to feel like they're doing something to help but yet we're a lot of us are really uneducated and I am the one of the first ones to to be one of those people who doesn't really know and wishes I did so I I and, and I and I also mean that when I say like do you would you guys find that a lot of people actually are open to, to trying everything on your program? I think I think this the trend of 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 um, vegan and vegetarian uh, in in France somehow has been equated to health in yeah. the last several years, which is not necessarily often the case because you need protein to thrive. That's a fact, and most vegans don't get enough. They've actually been called a lot of vegans now. They're called carbotarians, <laughs> um, and so we 
we firmly believe this is the way that we eat. Bespoke is not something that we just imagine and made up. Like this is exactly how we eat majority of the time. And then on the weekends we splurge on a little something and, you know, either dessert or a burger or whatever, you know, we have balance in our life, but most of the time we eat, we eat this way. And we find as, as you mentioned that for us, we feel our best when we have, you know, lean protein that's of good quality and, and, and appropriately sourced. Um, and we, and we do find that there are quite a few people that, that are also surprised like you, that they have kind of changed a little bit their relationship with animal protein through eating our food, which is amazing. But there are also a lot of people that, that request a vegan option. And our vegan option also is different from other vegan options because we do add a lot of protein in it to make sure that the vegan programs and meals are just as balanced as our animal protein ones. Yeah. I think it's important for people to understand that there's like, at the end of the day, um, one of the most important concepts is a bio individuality. And so we all are unique in our um, bodies and in our, in our, in our, in our epi, epigenetic structure, but we all have, we, we have an ability to, to change that, right. And to improve that through what we eat and, if you look throughout history from hunter gatherers and even before that, you know, animals are really efficient in eating, right? Like you don't see deer eating cheeseburgers. And if I, I mean, I, <laughs> this is, this sounds funny, but like we, uh, we, we sometimes have our, our little, our, um, our daughters, they go picking berries with their, with their grandmother and they are like, and they can tell like, the, you know, the deer has been there and the, that's what the deer eats. The deer is not trying to find like something that's inefficient, but the deer is eating because they need energy to survive, right? And we have changed eating to be it where it's something that's just like, I need it to make me feel better because my boss was a jerk. <laughs> or I need it, you know? And it doesn't mean that food shouldn't be pleasurable, but it means that we have to understand that what its root purpose is. So having balance between protein, um, the correct type of carbohydrates, um, the, rate, the right type of fats, that's like essential. And we want to promote to people your bio, your bio individuality. So if it requires you to have like a vegan diet, that's amazing, but we don't want it to be simple carb heavy, right? We want to give you like complex carbs, but not like also not potatoes. We want to give you broccoli and, and cruciferous vegetables. And for some people, cruciferous vegetables don't work because they are, even though they're detoxifying, some people don't react well to them. So we try to be as flexible as we can. Sometimes, you know, JJ, you'll say, Hey, I don't want any cucumbers. And we, if we forget, we'll make sure we can fix it for you. But uh, and you do every time. So, so it's about understanding that people have their own, you know, they have their special things to make them function well, but not taking it for granted and doing something about it, not sitting on the sidelines for your health. That's the thing. I, we don't, we don't want people to sit on the sidelines for their health. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that's been amazing through through Bespoke since the launch is we're also helping people figure out what works for them. Um, we've had so many clients say to us, I had these stomach pains for a long time. I didn't, I, I kind of learned to live with them and I didn't know what was going on. I ate your food for five days and I'm pain free, not only pain free, but I feel like I, I'm not bloated anymore. And I, I just, you know, I, your I, skin, my skin like, is, yeah. my skin is better. I mean, we, you know, a plethora of different feedbacks from clients who are excited to fit, to find a, a different way of eating. 
and and to be able to apply what they ate at Bespoke into their principles going forward um, and how they make their own food. And, and, and so that's exciting for us that when we hear from clients um, that we help them in some way, that's the most gratifying thing to us because that's why we started this thing in the first place. Exactly. To finish, I usually ask what's next, but I know that something big already happened um, is launching your new site and all of your new programs, which are so awesome. And I'm wondering what made you guys make the shift and maybe to tell us a little bit about the new site and all the new offers. Yeah. So we, we actually launched Bespoke last uh, January, kind of in a really small way. I mean, you were part of it. You remember it was a bit of a smaller scale. And our goal was to test the concept for a certain number of months to see how the market reacted to it. So we basically, we launched towards the end of January in 2021 and uh, really tried to push it for uh, up until about May. Um, and so it was four months, about four months where we were really um, testing the concept. And we realized that we needed to go a little bit bigger um, and, and reformat it. We learned a tremendous amount from our initial group of clients in those four months, you included, Um, We learned that there was a market for it. We learned that people loved what we were doing. Um, And we decided to kind of pause and with all of these learnings, redo a website that was more functional and adapted to what we wanted to do. So it's an entirely new website with that's fully customized to um, our products um, that we, we build and developed from scratch versus the other one was kind of an out of the box thing that we had created just for the test. We reiterated all of our programs to reflect what we had learned from clients of what they were looking for, um, adapted to different lifestyles and goals that people are, are, are looking to, um, to get into or to promote or to continue. Um, and so, yeah, so we spent basically, uh, the remainder of 2021, um, working on this relaunch while still continuing to honor the, the, the bespoke orders that were going on, but we weren't pushing or marketing or, or doing anything uh, for the remainder of the year in order to really focus on this relaunch that, that happened um, at the beginning of this year, which we're super excited about. So we have these um, six new programs. We have Bespoke Kitchen, which is basically an a la carte, build your own menu type of thing. For um, So you can either do a program where we have you covered all day with your breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, um, and, and drink. And you can do a build your own menu where you just decide, well, I need lunch for Wednesday or, you know, whatever it is, um, that's really tailored to you. And soon we'll also be launching our clean boutique that offers, um, complimentary lifestyle products for like a clean lifestyle that extends beyond food. Um, so that is kind of the short roadmap. And beyond that, we have a lot of a lot of things we're working on. Um, we we have a tremendous amount of demand for for going for going national, so we're trying to figure that out. Um, hopefully, trying to launch some products this year as well. Um, but really, our our, our number one uh, mission is to uh, help people uh, and to make quality um, nutrition accessible to everyone. Um, we think it can save lives we think it can save the planet and we appreciate everyone who's been part of our mission and we look forward to being able to introduce more people to to bespoke 
Thank you guys so much for sharing your story. I love Bespoke and I love Sending So and I love that I live so close to you guys now. I wish you guys lived closer, but <laughs> hey, you do a really great job of keeping up and thank you so much. That was really fascinating and so lovely to share that discussion with you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us.